LinkedIn uh, podcast listeners, Facebook, YouTube, thank you for joining us today for a very special What the Truck that is also going to serve as part two of a Celadon special report we did exclusively on Freightcast. That's also on YouTube and, and Facebook and LinkedIn. We did it this morning. We highly recommend you listen to that one. This one, uh, we're going to talk to some new people. We got JP here. He's the one who broke this story. JP, before we get to you, this is a weather truck, so I do have to thank our sponsor, DDC FPO, really quick. DDC FPO is the number one preferred back office partner for transportation. Want the most robust AI data processing solution available in the market today? Of course you do. Visit ddcfpo.com or email info at ddcfpo.com now. They're badasses, by the way. They are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're badasses. Their they're, bug they're is done. right down here on the screen, too. Nice. <laughs> All right. Wow. This has uh, come a long way since you were the Yeah. Live from Chattanooga. It's JP. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A couple times. All right, JP, uh, just break down the story for us. Um, so do you mean to go back to the beginning or like just what's happened? I guess so. Give us the brief on it. Yeah. So, um, you know, Celadon, huge, uh, you know, three years ago, they were a billion dollar truckload carrier operating all across all of North America, a variety of different services. Um, after the retirement and passing of the founder, new management team got into some legal trouble, uh, replaced the management team, tried to turn around the company in a very tough market. And ultimately, couldn't couldn't uh, thread the needle, and things started um, getting bad really quickly. They had a chance to kind of throw a hail mary pass and save the company. They ended up not working out, and then um, you know the the, the shutdown <laughs> sort of essentially spiraled out of management's control, and you had cascading uh, lender, customer, and driver issues. And um, as of this morning, you know the company shut down. And that, a it. couple of updates, real quick. I, I just want to update because uh, we have talked covered the story a little bit. And I want to get into how we got here. <clears throat> but before we do, the update we've just received is that the office employees are completely gone. Wow! Even the CEO is gone. His last day is today. So they they have cleaned house. The bank has. The lenders have. Even the emails are dead. Right? Emails are dead. They, I mean, they probably unplugged the freaking yeah, server. Facebook like, down. Everything. Like, everything's down. Yeah, they took down everything. I think is basically just wiping it completely. Uh, completely out. Uh, one of the other things we just got news is that health benefits of the office employees are immediately canceled, as well as any accrued vacation. So wow. it's a it's a tragedy for the folks that are in the offices. Tragedy for everybody. I want to remind, but certainly, um, you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, the office employees are going to have a tougher time than the drivers. But that's the latest right. update. Right. John Paul, you and I have been following. This, you've been following this story for. Uh, really, since you got here, yeah. uh, this has been a obviously a large public truckload carrier. Did you see? I mean, we had it was always sort of a suspicions that they may not come out of it. But did you, by any, did you think it would end this way? I mean, anytime you get delisted and you're in the pink sheets, you got to think that's for a reason, right? But I mean, you, there's an old adage, right? It's it's hard to kill a trucker because. You know, and I think there's another kind of related saying, which is like, if you owe the bank a million dollars, you have a problem. If you owe them a hundred million dollars, they have a problem. I think it's a Donald Trump quote. Okay, he was very proud of the fact that he uh, had the banks, and and really, well, it's because it's it, it's you're a partner, right? Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's all dependent on the relationships with their financiers. You know, we I think the new guys who came in, you know, Paul and Tom and everyone else were well respected. And they thought, you know, okay, we've got a limited amount of time to try to turn this thing around. Um, and, you know, I think 
they probably would have had as good a shot as anybody at doing it. Yeah, I think they were so far behind. I almost wonder, and it's not been broadly discussed, but does the uh, Department of Justice fine the 30-some-odd million dollars, is that what did this thing in? I don't know. I know that they have they spent an enormous amount of money on the defense of the previous management team. I don't know when these like fines were levied, but yeah, if you look, if you go to the bankruptcy filing, you look at the list of the top creditors. Number one is the department of justice, $33 million. And that's, I mean, that's a enormous amount of money. I can't imagine that the government is going to insist on recovering all of that especially if they're cutting like health benefits and well i, I believe the employees will be secured creditors so they'll take first preference in a bankruptcy and and, and i'm not a bankruptcy expert you're actually married to a, yeah. a bankruptcy expert yes. oh wow um <laughs> so you know a little bit about this but my understanding of the court system is typically the employees wages actually get uh, the courts are tend to be put them as a first position even before some of the banks is that is that yeah, your understanding the, as well yes the judges uh any incurred payroll, they try to pay off. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, uh, it is a crazy situation. What What do you make of all this? You know, it's it's tough. I mean, there are a couple other companies that are, you know, also kind of up and down a lot and have kind of sporadic and erratic performance. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how many more of these we expect. Obviously, something like this, you know, is maybe once every decade or more i mean it had we had new england motor freight i mean this yeah, is certainly the yeah. biggest but new england motor freight was uh sort of a black swan event at the time Especially we had in my falcon up, up in the northeast yeah, for now, sure. and yeah. Was, I, was big deal i i just think this is the state of the union if you will in terms of this year i think what we have is a market that is incredibly soft some of the accounting irregularities that celadon have finally caught up to them and I think we're, I don't think this is the last significant bankruptcy we'll see in the next site. I think, I mean, do you agree that we'll, we'll probably expect another, I don't know if anyone would be this size. I would, expect, not public, I would expect more in Q1. Um, I mean, I just think one of the things that illustrates is how little room for error there is in this market and how, you know, it's, it's a complicated business. It's a tough business. And uh, there are so many different ways you can lose your shirt in trucking, right? Yeah, I mean, it is, but the, the the ongoing statement is sort of like, it's hard to kill truckers like they're cockroaches. They live forever. It seems like the banks have decided it's no longer the case because ultimately the banks decide the outcome, the insurance right. do, companies do. How did you how did you hear about the situation in terms of uh, the tips uh, that you got? Not specific, but was it was it the lenders that told you what uh, that you heard? or? Um, it was, I mean, it was, you know, internal people, at Celadon, it was tons and tons. And then once, you know, I think the lenders started repossessing trucks on, on Thursday, people on social media, it just, things started, started going crazy. And honestly, lots of people at Freightwaves just know lots of, you know, not even necessarily like higher ups or anything like that, but it's just so many people start talking. JP, how, you mentioned social media. How important has that become to reporting? We touched a little heavily on it on the last show, so go back and listen to our <laughs> earlier special report. We actually talked to someone from those Facebook groups, but it, I think there used to be there like a stigma against going to social media to source from that, and people would really look down upon it, but I think that's changed a lot, right? I mean, that's how people seem to get informed. It's changed a lot. I think on for like stories in foreign countries, like if you look at like the, uh, the all of the... Um, riots and stuff in Egypt a few years ago, Twitter became really important for the Tahrir Square stuff. And I think like 
for for the trucking industry, everyone lives on Facebook, and that's where you have to be if you want to, you know, get these leads and tips and see the rumors and then find out, you know, how to follow it up, how to corroborate it. Who, I mean, honestly, you see a lot of stuff that isn't true. That's that's you know half true and you know made up and speculation and rumors and accusations flying around and stuff like that. There's a lot of chaff to sift through before you get to the weed, but I mean, it's pretty indispensable. Yeah, it is a it is a crazy time. I, I, I again, this is the biggest bankruptcy we've seen. Certainly, our industry. I don't think it's the last bankruptcy we'll see. And I think there may be some more brand names. I don't think anyone this size in the truck club business, but there may be some more brand names moving into first quarter. As first quarter is really soft. Yeah, I mean, there's some we've seen that have been in trouble, not just in terms of financials, but in trouble with. With, with the law, you know, we're not going to name names on companies that could be in danger, but there's definitely ones that guys like JP are probably watching. You know, he watched these guys like a hawk since yeah. since he got here. Yeah, I think when once you got tipped off that there was an issue and and really started to fact check it, it became pretty obvious that this was not just a rumor. Because right. we, we get rumors all the time. I mean, probably daily. You hear them, I hear them. Uh, we hear at Freightways, hear things. And a lot of times your job is just fact checking to see if there's anything uh, factual about it. Right. I, I did get, uh, there was another journalist that works at another publication that reached out and said, Hey, who is the PR person? Acelon? I said, well, I don't know. Yeah. We didn't talk to them and I doubt they're still there. There is no PR. Yeah. yeah the, they, uh, the CEO's gone. <clears throat> so I actually looked up some of their old press releases on PR newswire and emailed like their head of communications and like the email just bounced back. Yeah. I think the whole server's down. I think they just pulled the, plug. no, this was like days ago. Okay. It was oh, like wow. Friday. Okay. Yeah. Well, JP, thanks for joining us, and follow FreightWaves.com and John Paul for the rest of his stories. We mentioned, thanks, guys. yeah, thank yeah, you, thanks, JP. We mentioned social media. A lot of people had done outreach. The Dart Network was one of those companies. A uh, good friend of ours, Dave Abels, had extended his thing, so we are going to spend five good minutes with him now. Five count of five, five good minutes. This is Dave. Hey, Dave. It's uh, Dooner and. FreightWave CEO and founder, Craig Fuller. Dave, how you doing, man? Excellent. How about yourself? Well, we're doing okay. I, I, we're certainly feeling uh, uh, sorry for the folks in Indianapolis uh, that have been affected by I this. I, I'm curious, what are you hearing from your recruiters? What are you guys hearing from customers? I'd love to get an update from you. I mean, Dart is a, uh, a, a, a carrier that's a little bit smaller than Celadon, but, but certainly in the same class. Uh, I'm curious, what is, what is happening there? You know, so I got with recruiting this morning. Obviously, we did some things over the weekend. Uh, you know, we originally heard about this from a rumor perspective back last Wednesday or Thursday, and my recruiting team um, said, hey, should we get on top of this? Should we try to capitalize it, as did my sales team. And I said, hey, guys, let's hold. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's find out what's really going on. Let's make let Celadon make that kind of announcement to the public before we try to jump in and help. And then, so I think it was more along the lines of Saturday or Sunday that we truly got involved from a couple different aspects. One, the, the help the driver aspect. And what we've done there is we've been able to get drivers and pick them up at different locations, take them in our truck to locations, even put some of them in just hotels. Hey, hey Dave, no do you know how many, sleep. have many drivers taken you up on that or any drivers taken you up on that program? Have, are, are I there got drivers some pretty out there? decent numbers, Tim. Yeah, oh, wow. I, I think it's not, it's not as big as maybe you'd perceive, but I've got probably 10 drivers that we picked up, two drivers that we just put into a hotel room, called in, we gave them POs 
to go into a hotel. Haven't really understood the disposition yet in terms of where that's at. We've got about 65, 70 drivers in the pipeline. We've already got eight Celadon drivers in class for tomorrow as well. Uh, and one of the things we're doing there, we don't necessarily have the exact job they came from, right? They did a lot of automotive, a lot of automotive round trip. So I'm not saying we're going to be the right fit for every one of their drivers. And those are the guys we're just looking to help you get home, help you get off the road, put you in a hotel. We know that what we do doesn't work with what you do. So there's two components, right? That's that's the the nice side. That's the help a driver side because we would like that to happen if it were you or if it were I or if it was Craig that was stranded, right? Um, but in terms of specifically getting drivers, we've got eight in orientation tomorrow. And, and like I mentioned, there's another 60 or 70 in the pipeline. I think you're probably your biggest gains will be from those companies that are heavily tied to automotive because that's the largest proportion of what they did. Yeah. And you ha- you worked at one of those companies. Pam is, is a big automotive carrier. Do you, have you talked to them today about what they're seeing or is it? No, uh, I haven't had an opportunity to. Um, they, they've got a big sales conference going on today, so I haven't talked to them. But I got to believe that they're heavily tied into Chrysler, as was Celadon. So I think it's a great opportunity for them from both the driver and a freight side. Yeah, I would think some of those North South carriers, CFI, would also be a beneficiary of this. Uh, as well as, you know, I, I've heard some of the over the road trucking companies have picked up some customers. What I've heard from some of the larger carriers that have dropped trailers is that they're just getting calls, customers are not even haggling on price, but are just asking for capacity. Are you guys seeing the same thing? Yeah, we're seeing the same thing. In fact, we've got some static freight that's already come up from selling on customers. And I think the biggest win for probably anybody is the spot boards that had been relatively stagnant for a while, right? So I think a lot of that Chrysler type automotive freight went out on the expediters board immediately as they have to go through a bid process to secure new carriers. So for anyone out there that wants an opportunity to get on that freight quick, I think that's the best avenue to do it is look on those spot boards and then and work with your customers. So if you've got drop trailers at the same place Celadon does and you've got extra drop trailers there, they'll probably put the freight on your trailer before they would someone else. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Dave, what do you take make of the, you guys heard the rumor Wednesday, we heard it uh, Friday morning and just started doing a bunch of, you know, uh, channel checks that, the facts just started to become reaffirmed. Are you surprised uh, on how this ended, or are you surprised that it took as long as it did? Well, I'm surprised that it took as long as it did just based on the fact that when they announced that they got their credit facility, whatever it was, four or five months ago, if you were to look at the terms of that, I don't know how you can operate, right? We're in a slim margin business, but when you're talking about, I can't recall specifically what it was, Tim, but it was LIBOR plus 10, LIBOR plus 8, whatever those numbers were, hard to run a business that way, right? So no matter how good you are, I don't know that they could overcome the obstacles that were in front of them. Dave, yeah, it's unfortunate. I was going to ask Dave, what, what is the challenge in a situation like this? We So we all knew the rumors, and I'm sure their leadership had known for a while. We saw the VP of safety saying everything was was business as usual. What do you do in a situation like, I, I don't think you've been in that situation before, but do you think they handled it the right way, or what's your perspective on that? Man, I think that's a tough one. Uh, probably not, right? Everybody can second guess things, but at the same time, um, I think they did it better than Falcon, right? I mean, at least they, they're trying to not shut the fuel cards off until the last minute. I heard today they did, but I, again, I heard some of them don't have it. I think they've done a better job trying to get drivers back to their home base. It's unfortunate they couldn't have been more honest or maybe open. Maybe honest isn't a good word, but just maybe more open about it earlier on. 
Um, but I, I suppose there was a risk of flight, right? They would abandon trucks with loads. And, and when you're in that automotive business, guys, you can hurt some people if those loads don't deliver. And I think that was the big problem with Falcon. It wasn't like they had a load of toilet paper in the back. They had a load of automotive parts that were going directly into an assembly line. So I, I think it's a tough decision. I know a lot of the guys that sell it on. I respect them. I don't know how to react in a situation like that. And let's hope we never get in that situation, right? Yeah, I think actually ComData is the one that cut off the fuel cards because they had gotten a word through us and other sources that this was imminent. And I think they didn't want the risk and exposure. And I think it took them a bit to actually get those turned back on and get someone to backstop the uh, credit facility which is why we had that you know 24-hour delay and, and intermittent off and on. It's an unfortunate situation, and, it, and I think like it's easy for us to play money morning quarterback because we're in the media and we know how media works. We also are right in social media. I imagine at the corporate offices, you're dealing with lawyers and bankruptcy attorneys and banks and all sorts of fun stuff, or I shouldn't say fun, but unfun stuff, plus yeah. pressure of people. It's probably very difficult to get information out to the drivers. I do think it became a PR crisis for the company because social media became the only way that drivers were able to get information. I agree with that. And you know how we found out originally was there was a fleet owner that has trucks with us and had trucks with them. So I believe there was some early communication. Now, whether it came back through a customer to this fleet owner, he's the one that brought it to our attention and called and said, Hey, I need to put more trucks on with you. And here's why. And that's when, again, you know, if I'm that, I don't know, if I'm a piranha in the pool, at that point, that's when I would have sick sales on them. I want to sick recruiting on it. But at the same time, I wanted to be respectful and say, hey, let's hold. Let's not talk about sell it on. If you want to talk to customers that are there, talk to them about Dart and who we are. Don't talk to them about sell it on and what's happened to them because we don't know. And, and I'd hate to be that guy that stated something that was incorrect. Turns out it was correct, right? Yeah, we, we got news about it on Friday, and uh, I I remember we had the story almost written, but I wanted to get confirmation from the actual company. We we were able to track down someone who, who could confirm what we had heard that gave us uh, the go on the story, and we ran with it, and it turned out to be unfortunately true. And it's a real tragic situation. You know, drivers get a lot of attention, and rightfully so, because they're really critical to uh, this industry. I often think that the office employees are as important to these trucking companies, but tend to get forgotten in these situations. Are you looking at any potential talent that you would be wanting to bring into your operation up in Minnesota? Yeah, so there's a good question. And, and you know, I think that it's much more difficult for that office employee because many of them don't want to relocate where a driver can live pretty much anywhere and run all over. Now, I've got an operation in Sellersburg, Indiana, which would be the closest, but again, it's not commutable, right? So there'd be a relocation involved. But we do have openings up here at, at the corporate headquarters in Egan. And of course, there's some guys down there that we'd love to talk to. I, I shot a couple of them a message on LinkedIn. Um, ultimately, you know, I come from an automotive background at some point we're going to get into that automotive platform those kind of guys would be good for the team to help me build that out so i think there's definitely players on that team that are good and it's unfortunate though the situation they're going to be in because they've established their lives locally so to make a move they'd have to actually move right yeah that's I mean, that's, that's what makes more difficult that's what makes that it's so hard because the drivers are transferable they're not geographically defined these folks uh, work at corporate and have a very specific, specific and particular uh, skill set with experience. 
it makes it difficult. Uh, Celadon is the largest, I believe, the largest trucking company based in the state of Indiana. So it makes it difficult for them to find like work. Yeah, I agree completely. Dave, if, if anyone wants to take you up on the the offers you've extended on social media, how do they get in touch with you or the Dart Network? Um, there's a number, Tim, and I don't have it memorized, but we did put it out on LinkedIn. Okay. They can send me an email. They can send uh, Adam Williams or uh, Andy Williams an uh, email at his email address. Uh, we've got that out there. And then just hit me on LinkedIn, Dave Abels, or you can email me directly at dables at dart.net. We're more than willing to help. And, and I think it's a tough thing, you know, and I saw it play out with Falcon earlier this year. Yeah. Um, definitely. I think the drivers are in a better position than the office people, but look, we've got opportunities within our sales group, within our operating group, anybody with an automotive background, I'd love to talk to you uh, again. Unfortunately, those would be positions that would be based out of here in Egan, Minnesota, but still uh, it, it's a great company to be with long-term and it could be a good move for them. Thank you very much for your time today, Dave. Yeah, and they opened an office right. in Chattanooga. So they have an oh, wow. agent down here. So they just recently did a brokerage operation. So they they could certainly consider the Freight Valley. They could. Freight Alley. Freight it's Alley. Not Freight, it's not Freight Valley. We could call it Freight, Freight Valley. Did you see the video, the, chi- the Times Free Press video? Uh, it was good. I, I yeah. thought it was great. It was Before great. Sunday Highlighting football. Chattanooga uh, as, a, as a city. We talked about employment. I know Emily Zink is going to step in here. She's got some pointers on people who may be looking for jobs straight from our own HR department. Yeah, I think the I, what I think what we're going to talk about is a lot of, and I, I we've talked a lot about the drivers, and I think they're getting a lot, there's a lot of resources for drivers. Recruiters are actively in the channel. But what we're, what is more difficult is when you're looking for a job in the office, you're not, there's not a lot of resources for you. Uh, it just, it's a more difficult, uh, and things have changed. You know, some of these employees at Celadon have been there for more than a decade. Yeah. They have a very specific and particular skill set. And as Dave just said, they're, you know, it's, they, they're, they're unlikely to relocate, which makes it that much more difficult. They're going to have to go outside the industry perhaps and find other work. And so, you have spent time with our uh, head recruiter here at Freight Waves. We've hired over 100 employees in the last year. Um, and so you have taken down some of the pointers yeah. on what it takes to actually get employment and a career in this market. Yeah. And we were talking earlier, this is such a different market now when these people have been working 10, 20 years and haven't had to look for a job. They didn't have LinkedIn. They didn't yeah. have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. So Aston was awesome and gave me some great things because we have so many people all the time wanting to work at Freight Waves, but you have to set yourself apart. So I know we have some full screen graphics that Cody will pull up, but with LinkedIn, the big thing is um, start connecting right away. Get on LinkedIn, start adding people. The other thing is- LinkedIn's the easiest yeah, one too. It's easy. People are sometimes afraid to hit that connect button, but on LinkedIn, almost everybody will connect with you. Yeah, like, no one's going to say no. I connected with Dooner. I connected with, like, I would say uh, I, at least 20 people that work at Freight Waves have connected with me directly have made a small pitch. Hey, I want to come work for you, or hey, I love what you guys are doing. Want you on I, a podcast? Like, yeah, want me on a podcast? And they're active, and you have to do that if you want the job. Yeah, another big thing is your your picture. You have to have a professional picture. You have to. You do. You have to. It, it's sure. a no-brainer. So that I would probably go out and get a professional picture. Just but, but certainly LinkedIn. The other yes. thing is I would say is it's not as common as it used to be, but it does happen is that people look at Facebook posts, uh, they'll look at Twitter, if you have an account, it just it's a check on what kind of person mm-hmm. they're bringing on and whether this yeah. person's going to fit in culturally. 
Yeah, we, we look at the same things. I, I think when you're hiring for your department, as I'm looking to build this, I really want to see because everything is so social media driven, not just the way news is for truckers is delivered, but what we do here and social media brings such value that if someone is a ghost on social media and isn't really being active, isn't sharing, isn't engaging with communities, we're probably not going to be that interested. No, yeah. I remember. So I had uh, was looking for a job after my last business and I hadn't been in the job market ever uh, practically. And I remember just how difficult it was and how much I didn't understand the power of LinkedIn. But LinkedIn is where it's at. Yeah. And we want to know about people. Like you said, when I'm looking for candidates, I don't want to just know your experience. I want to know what you've done. So um, Aston said another great one. Highlight not only your experience, but also your accomplishments. What have you done to help your past companies? But make it relevant. I mean, if if you're a load planner or a dispatcher, but you're applying to a consumer product company or medical company, they're not going to know what that is. So yeah. make it make the information relevant to the person you're trying to reach. Yeah. Another one, ask for recommendations. If you connect with people, who else should I connect with? LinkedIn is great. It also says people in your network or people with similar jobs. Use that to your advantage to hit connect. Another thing, moving on to resumes. I know we were talking about social media and people really connecting through social media, but you still have to have a hard resume. You don't just have to have one resume anymore. You have to, when you're applying for jobs, you have to have a resume that tailors that job. Can I tell you my view on this? Yes. Is you're better connect now fast. Your resume doesn't have to be perfect immediately. Get connected on LinkedIn first because time is your enemy and your friend. Yes. And so I would say this is, I I slightly like say that, from a resume standpoint, having a resume is really important. It's more important when you walk into the office yes. because what I do is I'll share people's LinkedIn and then resume comes after that. Yeah. And I think your resume just helps build out your LinkedIn You have too. to bring it to the interview. Yeah. Oh, the, yes. One of the most annoying things I get with a candidate who comes into an interview and isn't prepared. I, I interviewed somebody who is in marketing and PR and they didn't have a portfolio and they had nothing to represent themselves. And I'm like, what is it you're going to do for us? Yeah. So the other thing is make sure you have your contact information at the top. I want to know how I could contact you. How am I going to call you? How am I going to email you? I don't want to have to search on your resume. Yeah. And that's that's something I, I will, simple but great. I had a recruiter tell me not to worry about putting your home address. They said that's basically your yeah. like You don't need that. Your yeah. your, your your email address is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Another great tip, review your work. You Actually, do not I, w- want- I would add to, add to that. Yeah. If you're willing to relocate, especially don't put your address. Put that at the yes. top. Yes. Actually put open to relocation yeah. at could, the top. You could do that on LinkedIn. You, you could can, switch yes. it. So definitely if you're looking for a job out there. But I'll say this because I, I get hundreds of these, a hundred and something a week. I would say important, if you're going to reach out to an executive, reach out to a job you want. And I look, this is what you should do. Pick the companies you want to work for. Like say, these are the top 10 companies that if I were offered a job today, I would go there tomorrow. And what I would say is make sure if you are open to relocation, that you put that in your message. I am open to relocation. Because what I'll do is say, well, they're in Indianapolis. They're probably unlikely to move to Chattanooga. Even if I like their resume or like their uh, background, I may just not want to spend time. And my time is important too. I'm only going to spend time on candidates that I think are likely to get hired. Yeah. And in terms of networking, it's all about who you know. And you may not have a job opening, but you may know somebody who has a job open. I didn't. Ha- Dooner is an example. We had no job opening. I would say half the company, we didn't have a job opening. Yeah. Um, and so oftentimes we're hiring without jobs because we like this person is amazing. Let's bring them on. I mean, Oatley, uh, Stephen, who ran, he was, you know, one of the things you could do, and I would say this works is, 
Uh, Dooner, you're really big into audio. You set up a podcast. You were interviewing people. You got a job because you had me on your podcast. Yeah. Um, that worked. A little bit by design, too. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. It totally worked. Uh, also, you know, uh, Stephen Oatley designed his own show. It was a... Uh, He's been doing it for three or four months, did it on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, ask a broker anything, and uh, Freight Broker Live was something we picked up. Yeah, so. no, and yeah, it's like you said, it's all about getting eyeballs on the right stuff. Another thing is, for people in Indianapolis, I know there'll be a lot of different groups to go out to, and Indy's a big city. It's mm -hmm. a great city, and I, there's it's the Midwest. I come from the Midwest. There are great people there. So look for networking groups within the city. Don't yeah. be scared to go places, to talk to people, face-to-face -face meetings, LinkedIn is amazing, but face-to-face -face is also an awesome thing. Changing titles can be tough. Yes. Like, so Stephen Oatley doing his thing, me doing what I was doing. It, I did because I couldn't get a marketing job in freight. My background was in operations for, for operations and sales. They're like, you either have operations or that's your job. So I had to create like my own thing. And I'm like, well, I'll show you how I know how to market and I can do it via audio. Oatley was doing it by doing his freight broker live show. Don't put that you're a self-starter. Be a self-starter. Yeah, put yeah I think so. I agree. I, I would also say there is a tendency... Uh, titles do matter when you look at resumes. Um, one of the things that I got suggested is I was a CEO before and one of the recruiters said, get rid of all your CEO stuff because if you're applying for an entry-level role, which I was, it was a sales role, I had to basically make it look so I wouldn't come in and 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 look to the, to the people that I was overqualified. Frankly, I was underqualified for the role I was applying for because it was all uh, marketing in that industry. Uh, I learned a lot and this may be an opportunity to step back. I mean, if you have some financial resources, which is probably not a ton of people, uh, but perhaps you have a spouse that's working or perhaps you have some money saved up, Get go get take some classes. It's a great networking through universities. Uh, the universities that are in around Indianapolis uh, network with the alumni associations on jobs and careers. Those are great places to do that. Take some classes and improve your skill set. And I know that applies to people who have the resources, and that's not a ton of folks. But if you have some time, this is a chance to sort of reset. Or if you've ever dreamed of having a different type of career, it's a great time yeah. to start that. I know it's really scary right now for a lot of these yeah. people, especially two weeks before Christmas and the unknowns. But like you said, this this could be a place, a jumping off point to start whatever career you may have always dreamed of having. Do you yeah. get unemployment when there's a bankruptcy like this or is there issues with that? I So I believe the state will provide unemployment. Uh, again, I am not yeah, an HR an expert. So any, And I'm not an attorney, so please don't. Don't take yeah. any legal advice from me whatsoever. But I would say that I believe the state will step in for unemployment, um, I think. Uh, but what I have heard is that the health benefits and uh, accrued PTO for the office employee yeah. is wiped out. They're done. Like, they're done. Like as of like. As of like 10 o'clock or 830 this morning. Yeah. And, and, and so it's unfortunate because the time, you know, the, the health benefits and stuff at a time of year where. You know, it's it's I, I just I feel for the people. One of the sad things we've been reading online, too, is um, so people had to bring their trucks back to Indy to the depot lot. They had 20 minutes to go. They couldn't bring their own personal vehicles. And I understand there's all sorts of liability and things like that to get people off. And they were given bus tickets. But a lot of these people have too many belongings to bring on a bus and they have dogs. And they're they're wondering, like, do I have to give up my entire life? Do I have to give my dog to the pound abandoned on the side of the street? And that's that's really sad. But I'm sure. You guys don't have to do that. There's social media. There's tons of companies putting that outreach that can get you a ride somewhere. I think every carrier that I have talked to and we've seen on social media is willing to make exceptions and willing to make things work. There's also a lot of owner operators out there that aren't. 
that don't have rules uh, that they have to follow by their carrier, that social media is a great way. So, look, I would not abandon my dog. Yeah. No. Probably don't abandon my wife. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Your dog's right here <laughs> yeah, with she's us. she's right there. She uh, but, like, I shouldn't say that out loud. But, like, uh, some days she would abandon me. Yeah. But my, my uh, you know, I'm not abandoning my dog. And so, like, that, she is as much a part of me. And so I'm certainly not going to do that. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people say, hey, come jump in my truck. Because a lot of people sell it on. We talked earlier. They have a very dog-friendly policy. A lot of people with dogs. Bus, buses are not allowing dogs. Buses anymore. are not allowing yeah, no. dogs. So, it's a, This is a really horrible situation. Yeah. I feel for, but I, I feel for everyone. I mean, there's so many victims in this. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. This is just a sad situation. I, I do think, you know, getting back to the recruiting element or getting back to the job placement element, the best thing that you can do, and we've touched on it, is networking. Networking, networking, networking. Oftentimes companies, particularly in this job market, don't even know uh, may not have a job posted or may not know what your skills are, connecting through social media, through after hours groups, through university alumni associations, career centers, whatever, is the absolute best way to get a job. And the great thing is you have a story to go along with it. It's like if you're a Celadon employee. People know the story in the backdrop. And so the questions that you typically get changing jobs are probably going to be a lot less. You can sort of design your own story because there's no email. Yeah. Nobody to verify what nope. happened. So Not at all. And I think Celadon was really known for having a great culture yeah. and great employees. And I think people in the Indianapolis area and all around the country will pick up on that. I mean, that. I would love to talk to some of the office employees. Uh, I think we would love to have folks with sales experience, customer service experience, operational experience. Frankly, I'd love to see all the resumes. I unfortunately can't hire mechanics. I don't have really a lot of opportunity. Can't hire drivers. Uh, but if you've got operational experience and you've had a couple of years of experience in the operation or in sales or customer service, and you're willing to relocate to Chattanooga, now that's the tough part. Not everybody yeah. can do that. Yeah. But if you would be open to that, we would love to talk to those people. And I, I know you don't want your inbox on LinkedIn flooded with all those people. I'm already there... getting it flooded. I'm Craig Fuller on LinkedIn. You can find me. I'm the bald <laughs> dude. Is, you can't see it. But is there somewhere better they should go to if they want to work? Are we setting well, up a portal still? We are, okay. as a matter of fact, Emily. We are setting up FW.careers. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's up just yet, but we are today, hopefully, we will have a career site where employees of Celadon and others uh, can actually post their resumes and companies can post their jobs. And so I'm excited because it gives us the opportunity to expand our audience for people that are looking for freight people in, in the market. I love that. That's awesome. Is Stephen here? We yeah, Stephen is here. And so he actually, yeah, went on the road to Alabama to one nice. of the terminals. And I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, step on bring him in. Don't step on her. She's right below you. <laughs> I know. And we're, well, you're going to my get dog, My dog comes to me with work like the drivers do. Um, we had a, we were on Sirius XM radio over the weekend. We had some callers, some drivers who were talking to us in real time as the story unfold. If you have the Sirius XM app, you can listen to this on demand. Uh, we're going to listen to those. And as soon as they're over, Stephen Oatley will tell us about his journey over to there. Robert's on the line from Texas. He's a Celadon driver. Robert, how did you find out about what's going on here? Where are things at with, uh, with you as an employee? Well, as far as I know, uh, I found out last night from Facebook and then I received a call from a friend of mine this morning, which is also an owner-operator with Celadon, that if I was anywhere close to Texas, I needed to keep my truck parked where it was at because there was no loads being dispatched out or anything. And about 10 minutes ago, there was a post from a 
another Celadon driver that is in the Celadon driver group as well that said that um, all of the DMs that was at the at every terminal has already been sent home with no jobs. Are you near a terminal? Are you near a place where your truck can get at least safe back to a Celadon facility? No, actually, I'm not. I'm right now. I'm between Jasper and Beaumont. Do you have enough fuel to get to a terminal? Nope. Anthony from Virginia. He's a Celadon driver. Anthony, what's up, man? All pre-planned loads have been canceled. Yeah, I picked up a load uh, in Texas, taking it to Pennsylvania. It's supposed to deliver Monday, but I live in Virginia, so I'm on Interstate 81. So I've, I'm going to come up to this uh, truck stop. It's 80 miles away near my house, and I'm going to shut down there. And wait until Monday, see what's really going on, you know, before I get up there. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm stranded with this truck. And then I don't know what to do with this truck. Steve, and he says that, are they starting to repo Celadon trucks already in California? Yes, at the 465, the pilot, they just got two of them. They were sitting there bobtail since yesterday. And uh, when the guys woke up this morning, they had uh, their trucks hooked already. And uh, they didn't want to believe that they were getting repos. And the guy showed on the paperwork, man, it was a flyer with a number on it, a repo number, that it was issued out nationally. The way till they get the trucks, because the drivers didn't want to get out of the trucks until they called the cops. The cops ran over, uh, looked over the paperwork, and it was legit. They made the guys get their stuff out right there where they sat. Oh, my God. Crazy hearing that in real time, right, right Craig? It's, uh, you know, it's hearing uh, right from the driver's uh, what what they're experiencing over the road is is crazy, but I think what's what is really crazy is how much is coming out about how customers found out about it before the drivers did. And and Stevens here, you went down to Alabama to a terminal. What did you find out? Well, I talked to five drivers there. Three were local. One was a shuttle driver, and he told me he knew Friday right around ten a.m. He went to pick up a load at, from the Honda plant there and they wouldn't load him they, they wouldn't load him why would they load him they he didn't know he just oh. said he never knew what was actually going on he just knew something major he knew they had been the contracts had been pulled yeah yeah, yeah. and then <clears throat> i guess there was two two other drivers that were there at the same time those two drivers were on dedicated routes one went to kentucky one went to indiana and they got back that same on friday morning and they also didn't have reloads. Normally, those are guys that just run the dedicated. So they knew they were expecting to go back out, and they didn't go back out. And, and they didn't really know what was going on. And then they told me something. You know, they were trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, recruiters started showing up. And so recruiters who apparently had gotten the new contracts from Honda were starting to show up to grab the Celadon drivers. All the while, nobody told these drivers. They just said, hey, you lost a contract. Why don't you keep the contract? Come with us. And so no one really knew what was going on. I did talk to two over-the-road drivers that they had no idea. Yeah, I, I do find it strange that the company did not, you know, they did tell customers. Right. We know that they did tell FedEx found out, Walmart found out on Thursday, apparently Honda did as well. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that they told the clients or the yeah. shippers, but they didn't tell the drivers or the operation. Well, Dave, Dave said Wednesday, like they, they already knew they got with Dave Abel's from dart. He was, we were talking to him before you came on and he was like, yeah, we, we knew by Wednesday, but like for us, heavy is the crown or heavy is the wearer that has to push that publish button. Right. Well, we can't, I mean, we're talking about a massive company yeah. and we're talking about a, there was nothing public about it. And I think for us, we wanted to get verification, which we, we did, but it was, it took all day Friday to get enough conversations and details to realize 
This was not just a rumor. There was some truth to it. And even when we published it, even after we had verification internally, you're sitting there wondering, is this for real? And it became real for me when fuel cards kept getting shut off. And I, I would tell you, even through last night, about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock uh, p.m., I was still in the back of my head saying, what if they What if they get through this? Like, is it a possibility? I didn't think it was real until I saw the text from whoever it was, the, I think the VP of safety, and he said, mm. basically, just chill. You know, don't blame Prime Minister of Iraq. Yeah, he's <laughs> the whole media. Prime Minister of Iraq. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he didn't deny it. He no, just he said, didn't chill. deny it. We're, we're trying to figure it out. And so I knew at that point, and and that's where I was like, okay, I need to try to find as much out as I possibly can because this is really happening. And it was right. You know, for yeah. me being someone that likes the industry and loves the industry, and it's it's it's, it's a big letdown. Well, no I how you look at it, it's a letdown. It, I think it makes it makes trucking. It makes it's just another reason why drivers are weary of the big companies and the big brokers and it just it's sad but in in all fairness this has happened not just the big companies this has happened to small companies i I think in these shutdowns is just you know it's almost like a war zone because they they, the the management's dealing with lawyers and bankruptcy attorneys and all sorts of you know uh people you've got public this is a publicly traded company you have the sec involved you have companies having to certify results, and then you've got drivers and customers. There's so many things. I, I, I don't necessarily mean that the company shutting down. I mean, that's going to happen. Yeah. The, com- the companies are going to shut down. But we had another company that we reported on, I think, with 90 trucks out of California. Yeah, that- apparently you had the same company that it borrowed its, uh, or, or at least wow. its trucks yeah. from was the same company that is involved in the scandal. Mm. That has become yeah, sell it on. I saw that too, but I, I'm more. I'm speaking from the drivers. It, it, it seems like in these instances, the drivers are the ones that are really left out there. Well, they are, but they're left out in most cases, anyways. I mean, they are out in the field, and I think that you know, if you're at Celadon's headquarters and you're worried about freight getting stolen or you're worried about things happening, I can understand where you're like, I don't know what to do. But I got to tell you, when it was Saturday afternoon. And there was no information. I was getting pissed. I was like, why aren't they putting out information? It's by Sunday. I'm yeah. like, this is ridiculous. They need to get ahead of it. I was mad. I almost drove back down. <laughs> I was mad. My they, wife was sitting there going, what are you, why are you walk, pacing around the house? I was getting, my wife did too. I took a nap and was so depressed on Sunday. There was a posting where uh, on one of the groups talked about a suicide watch line. Yeah. yeah. And that hit me hard. And I, I actually went, I had to take a nap. I mean, I know that. No one should feel sorry for me because, like, but I was, sure. it was emotional, like, oh, my God, this is real. Yeah. Like, Th- this that is. That could be the tipping point for someone. It could be. I mean, it's already stressful enough of a job. And, and if you find out you're losing your employment right for the holidays, it's scary. Tim Harris, their director of operations, this was kind of, we knew everything was going to kind of fall at that point. It showed up on Facebook, started coming into the Facebook groups, and he wrote, Thanks, guys. It's been a really tough couple of days for lots of people. We've been just trying to do the right thing and help people to the extent that we could, but our hands have been tied on a lot of things, and that really hurt. I really appreciate y'all's commitment and to the entire Celadon family. God bless you all. I don't. Th- I think Tim probably had a really rough weekend. Yeah, and and I'm I am I don't think that he is the. I think there's just a lot of there's a lack of of somebody stepping up and having leadership. And I I don't we don't know if the attorneys. Or the lawyers, or uh, for either side, or the banks, were the ones instructing no information. I can't imagine 
that the company would would go on and not put out information. I got to imagine the lawyers are running this. I can tell you who it wasn't. Someone that's ever driven a truck. Yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair, fair. <laughs> because whoever whoever made the decision not to tell the drivers has never spent a moment on the road, I, and that's that's an opinion. I can't back that. Up, I, I, I can imagine the lawyers were in charge on over the weekend. <laughs> what I were mean, the guys at the depot? What was what is the vibe with them? You said a lot of them were like, you know what, we've already moving on. The the three local drivers, the ones that are domiciled in that area, they seem not to care. There was one over the road driver that came in. He did look a little lost, but I couldn't tell if that was just him. Um, instead of, <laughs> it is instead of just his personality, but he did say, you know, I asked him what his plan was, and he said, "Well, I have three weeks, three weeks of vacation, and I'm going to burn those weeks and figure out." What. And <laughs> I, the driver I, has vacation. I don't know, but I, I know office and boys are not getting any. Vacation. I was not going to be the one to tell him he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so you don't want to be that uh, messenger. So I said, "You I need said, your own well. VP of safety in that situation." <laughs> so I said, "I said, good luck. You know, I, I hope it works out." And then the other over the road driver, he. He was actually, which is such a small world. He was from Port St. Lucie, Florida, where oh, I live. Wow, wow. And literally the next neighborhood over. So he knew the streets and all that. But <laughs> but I was talking to him and and he he seemed not to care. He's like, I got a CDL, I got twelve years experience. Yeah. He he didn't but he was mad because he went to Enterprise first to get a rental car and they said we may have one by four o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Uh, oh. He's just he's just frustrated. Yeah. Like, but but I mean he also he's not he wasn't he wasn't he knew there was job prospect. He yeah. knew he was going to be able to get a job, so he wasn't stressing about that. Yeah, and that goes back to what we talked all day. The theme of what we talked about is that the drivers are going to be uh, much more readily employable. It's the office folks that are probably really, really stressing right now. Yeah. What about twelve thirty seven on this message on the on the Qualcomm though? Is that is that because that was when they were finally legally able illegally able to? Tell I think they had to file. Or? I really no. I actually think the lawyers had to be running the show. I mean, you got to understand, like as an executive. And your attorney is like, you can't put out any information because of this. You don't know. I mean, the court systems become pretty nasty in these situations. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be lawsuits, it's, and it's inevitable. And I imagine the lawyers were, look, I can't imagine a company would go that dark. We're not, look, I know the executives that, that run the company. They're not bad people. I don't think anyone has accused them of being bad people. I think it looks to us like a PR crisis. Right. I think if you're there and the lawyers are saying under no term should you put out any information, you're probably, because you'll be liable if something happens, you're probably not going to do that. Why would you go against that? We only have the outside looking in perspective. And unfortunately, that's all we were given. So yeah. it's, it kind of limits our, our perception. I think that message was supposed to go out at 12 o'clock and they took 37 minutes to figure out what to say. <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> well, in so, fairness, when you do these batch messages, they... Yeah, there's delays they take a bit stuff. to yeah. people. Yeah, or they may wait till the like filing at the state was done. And <laughs> I know is all it sorts confirmed? of stuff. Okay. Is, it, is it like are we really are we really done? Yeah, is it done? I it was. I think one of the the things I think I thought about. We talked a lot about the drivers, uh, but when the employees of the office showed up at eight eight o'clock a.m., they were told basically pack up your stuff. You're done. Could you imagine? You spent twenty years of the company, and you have to clean out your desk, and you have twenty minutes to do it. Yeah, there were there were employees that were leaving. They wouldn't talk to us, but they did not look happy. I, was, I, I, but they have no. There's no severance. Yeah, they've lost their health benefits. They've lost their PTO. Yeah, and they have no job. Yeah, they they and and you know Merry and, Christmas, right? I mean, it's yeah. unfortunate. It's I, not it's, it's not as easy for them to go out and get another. Job. No, it's not, especially in Gadsden, Alabama. I don't know how good the employment market. There is. were a couple other trucking companies, surprisingly, but it was a pretty. Rural. But here's the problem: is that trucking is not 
in great shape right now. These right. asset truckload carriers are probably not hiring office staff. This is actually the time of the year that a lot of carriers actually do their annual layoffs where they go through and say, this is our team. It's going to be difficult for them to add people for a couple of months. There were a lot of other trucks coming in, picking up salad on trailers and pulling them out. And we, hope, we hope legally. <laughs> no, they were because apparently all the trailers that were in the yard were still loaded. With uh, all the okay. Honda stuff or yeah. Honda racks, and and you know one of Is the there drive- some motorcycles down there. I don't know. I should check. <laughs> so, so what happens next? No, what is no, nobody? It's the uh, uh, nobody would notice. What happens to all the freight and the equipment now that they've filed Chapter Eleven? There's there's everyone's being kicked out. Yeah. So the banks will liquidate it. So effectively, the reason I think they they uh, backstopped the fuel cards was to get all the equipment back at the yard. And I think frankly that's why they didn't put out a lot of information is they want to get the drivers back to the yard. Now frankly, they should have sent out a uh, deliver your load, you'll be paid, and when you're done, come back to the yard. We're done. I think yeah. that actually would have gone a long way, but I think they just didn't know what how people would react, and they I wanted to have everybody at once. I don't think that would have went. But over but long. but well, maybe not. <laughs> but who knows? Um, we don't. We just don't know. You don't. Like, yeah. We don't know. Um, I think at the end of the day, it is what it is. We're, we're there. The equipment's going to be liquidated. Uh, I would imagine that the bankruptcy uh, attorneys uh, will will find someone to be the trustee. That trustee will be responsible for liquidating the equipment. The nice thing about trailers and trucks is that there is a market for those. They will be sold at auction probably. Uh, but the majority of real estate, uh, the majority of the assets on the books is actually real estate. So they'll sell the real estate. They'll sell the terminals. They'll sell the real estate that Celadon had. And then whatever's left will be left to the, uh, will be that will be paid to the secured creditors, which I believe the employees back wages get first position, yeah. then the bank's. Uh, and then when all of that's done, it goes to the unsecured creditors and the largest unsecured creditor is the Department of Justice. They get they have thirty million dollars. See, I, I was wondering how owner operators fit into that because technically they're creditors and aren't they unsecured? They're unsecured. Uh, I don't know. It, it may have been a situation where uh, they made. I just don't know. And I and I hate to speculate. Uh, I think because the, I just don't. Know. I think the press release said that they will be paid for the runs they're currently. It's they're very, on. It was a Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, so that the uh, company, uh, the, the trustees, could control the process. Right. And it may have been that they set aside some money in escrow for those owner operators. Uh, and what they'll do is they'll go to uh, the court system and list them as a critical vendor. And those the the judge will have discretion on whether they pay it out, which is likely because they'll make the case that this is the interest of all the creditors to get the equipment back. And right. so, by doing that, as being a uh, a critical vendor uh, and having critical vendor status, then that probably means that they'll get preference in court. And and we did. I did see other vendors going in, dumpster companies going in. Uh, like there was a a truck, you know, with the the tanks for yeah. welding and all that. They, they were all in pulling all their... So one of the things that's going to happen is the, the court system, so they're going to try to auction off this Taylor uh, Express business in a, in a... So there'll be a bank, there'll be a book on that business. That business is 300 trucks and it will be sold to a company that will want it intact. Uh, the equipment will start to be liquidated. And then what ends up happening is all you get to whatever's left over. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, there are, there are people that, that buy what's left over. They It's almost like buying a... Uh, 
uh, a storage unit, not knowing what you get, you get whatever. But sometimes there's some real value. And I would do some it. of it's junk. I mean, <laughs> what do you sell three thousand trucks to? Well, like, you get three thousand trucks to like five thousand dollars yeah, for everything. I've been the guy to go and buy a truckload of computers without sight unseen, and then get yeah. them. And my wife is like, "What are you going to do with this? <laughs> Don't do what that. did you do? I knew a guy. I knew a guy I, that had. I, 10, I scrapped him and lost a lot of money. Yeah, like, that's the problem. Is the stuff's almost worthless. Yeah. But you know, you can find some real uh, some things and. Uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, the, the, there's a long history here. I think a lot will be we be told before this is over with. And there'll be a lot of information to come out. We're, in just a day, we're finding a lot more. I think one major takeaway is, you know, the drivers, all the drivers I've spoken to, every whether it's social media, the five that I talked to today, they are... It's weird. They're they're upset because of the, the what their future the hassle, looks like, right? yeah. but they're not upset with Celadon. No, yeah, they seem. I think everybody took it for what it yeah, what it is. I think we yeah. were one thing we talked about in the early podcast is, it's almost like the 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 people that were there knew that it was in battle. Right. They knew that this was caused originally by bad management, and I don't think that they looked at the company. I think they looked at the fact that it's surviving. I mean, a lot right. of people for years have been talking about Celadon not making it, and and this has been talked about at least since Freightways has been around. Um, I think people were surprised it lasted as I don't mean yeah. to laugh, but yeah. surprised it lasted as long as it did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, look at how quickly, frankly, the thing unraveled this weekend. I mean, from what it seemed like it unraveled, I was caught off guard. I woke up Saturday morning and said, "What did I miss?" <laughs> I, I called. I, I had a, f- a couple call, uh, phone calls on Friday night, and uh, we posted it at about eleven o'clock, maybe around midnight, in ten, ten, eleven o'clock. And from that point on, I woke up and I remember I looked at, nobody was watching. It was a little bit of traffic uh, Friday night. And then it was just, boom, it exploded. I saw that. And, and, and I, the first thing, cause I've learned from previous stories, the first thing to do is get to the, like find a social media page with the affected group, you know, and then put it in there and and, boom. Well, not even put it in there, you know, but just, just see what they're going through, feel, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's, that's what, like, with the serious show, you actually were able to feel, you know, oh, the, like, the, like, the calls. Have we had that many calls on any show? That I think that was the most. And we're getting a lot more now that we've just, oh, we let pe- people are aware now that we yeah. have the line open and we're trying to be much more. And you're a good, you're a good voice of the radio. You're a great Dooner. voice. Oh, we were talking you. about how great <laughs> Dooner is. You know, one of the things we talked about just a few minutes ago, we were actually talking about this. You can provide some uh, 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 discussion about it. One of the things that's going to be stressful, not for the drivers, but for the office employees, is how do you find work? Some of these people haven't looked for work in ten years. Right. This is a different world now. How did? You, how would you? What recommendations would you give people? I, I don't. I. You're I here. Know. You it, got a job because you I, had a video show. Yeah. Right? So make a podcast and <laughs> get famous. No. <laughs> I mean, I, it works, right? It, it does. I mean, we're I, both. I mean, we are both people who created our own jobs by. I personally didn't have a job. I just got fired when my wife was eight months pregnant. Uh, true story. I went to rehab and I was like, there's two things in my life I control. Go to rehab and start a podcast. Yeah. And, uh, now I'm here. No, I, I mean, the easiest way I would, it, it's, I would stay away from like sites like Indeed and, and those because they're, they're just inundated with fate as an employer previously when I've hired people, I, you, I can't, I can't pay attention to them. I guess the best way for the, the DMS and the operations managers and the diesel mechanics and all that, because we saw them leaving with their trailers full of tools today. And those guys look like, you know, where else are you going to go work on a truck? Yeah. You know, they, those guys look like it was going to hit them pretty hard. 
the office managers, you know, the, the terminal manager wouldn't talk to me and he just looked <laughs> smug, you know, but, but I think it's because he did, what's he going to say? a rough day. Yeah. yeah. But, but all but, those carriers, they did, or all those drivers, they said there's no way anyone in their office knew, including the terminal manager. So, so, but what, from your perspective, is LinkedIn the best just that, networking? I think LinkedIn is the best. It's kind of like the Facebook for careers. So yeah. you get noticed, no matter what you think, you get noticed on LinkedIn. I mean, you and I, I mean, you both, this happened for both of you, is you connected because you invited me on a podcast. You connected, you and I connected over LinkedIn because you, you, you had a story. Yeah. And you're like, hey, I did this story. And I'm like, this is good stuff. And then you... Like a week later, you're like, I got another story, and like these were like major, major stories. I I checked back when I when we were first talking. I'm like, I swear, I emailed I emailed you the Falcon story too. Oh, I, did you? Yeah, before? I checked. Yeah, I, it might have been. I never got a reply for that. Well, one. <laughs> I think actually we may have been you on did, top you, of yeah, that. You broke I think already. I think you but, at that point uh, we were probably on top of it. It was just yeah. reconfirmation. But LinkedIn LinkedIn is a good a good resource, and just and and asking friends and family and people that work in the industry, that is the second best of referrals. I've hired so many referrals. Some weren't worth anything, yeah. but I hired them purely because of who they knew. And I think that is, is a way to go out there and, and, and put, make yourself. You so know. what do we think, you know, wrapping this, put the bow on this, Yeah, your thoughts, Stephen Dooner, where do we think this ends up for the industry? Are we going to see more of these types of bankruptcies? I think for sure. I mean, we're, we're with the rates and the way capacity has been and just the way the, the market has been. And uh, just from I, I, inside information that we have, the, the companies that people are telling us to keep an eye on, it looks like it looks like there's some that are limping out there and uh, they're one insurance escalation away from, from bankruptcy. I don't want to say yes, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think we're done. I think we're going to see first quarter is going to be pretty ugly. Yeah. You know, this is... Uh, well, that's when I, rates normally dive anyway. Rates are dead and, and, and volume's and dead. you right. got to remember, this is retail season. Right. So, like, there are... There's a sort of uh, a volume in the market right now for retail, and that's going to drop off in Q1. And the industrial sector doesn't look very good. No. It's 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 kind of... It's it's scary. But the only thing I could say is the drivers that are out there, be safe. Yeah, <laughs> and, for sure. And, and keep, keep on trucking. <laughs> <laughs> we should yeah. have that song. You, keep yeah, on trucking. No, please don't play that. Song. No, no. <laughs> Guys, thank you for following us through this this coverage. We will continue reporting on the story as new information comes out. We've uh, we've been pretty deep in the woods. I know you and I spent all, all weekend talking about this, Stephen. When you weren't driving, you were contributing to this as well. Uh, Emily Zink, John Paul Hampstead, and you know, God bless all the drivers out there, hopefully, and the operations people and anyone affected by the situation. Uh, Otherwise, tomorrow we'll probably be back to a little bit more normal programming. Uh, check out Freight Waves TV for all our regular shows. Go back and check out that podcast we did earlier. It was really interesting. We talked to that lady who's doing that assistance group. Follow Freightcast. It's exclusive on there. You can hear this show. Um, and get a ticket to our event, right? You get that 4K. Freightways Live. Yeah. The hottest party in freight tech. Yeah. It is going to be electric this year. And... If you sign up between now and December 18th, you get a 4K Apple TV, which means you can watch Dooner and Steven mm -hmm. and Emily. And you. And me. <laughs> I was going to end with Emily. Oh, okay. uh, uh, <laughs> live on Freightways TV. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. A little, uh, a little cowbell for all the people who watch us on the live feed. A little cowbell for all the audio people. A little cowbell for Craig Fuller for... Uh, for getting the information out there, man. For having the balls to let JP press publish. <laughs> that is scary. <laughs> it's scary. I mean, because it's like, what if you're wrong? 
Don't care about for all the people who are affected right now through the holidays. Hopefully you get a job. Thank you for tuning in to What The Flower Stephen Oatley. Thanks for going out there in the field. Yeah. Now John the Smith for bringing his drone. Uh, hopefully he didn't break any FAA regulations flying fly that it. thing around. All right, well. And a little cowbell for all of you out there. Thank you. We'll catch you on Friday.